Well, essentially, Grippable is a handheld device and it's a controller that registers uh, the different movements of the wrist and, and the hand, uh, a grip being one of them, but also sort of wrist, moving the wrist up and down, side to side. And that controller translates to a uh, an app, a game, essentially. A really lovely bit of feedback that I've had is from, you know, a young stroke survivor who is able to uh, now use Grippable to play with his teenage son who's getting into games. The amount of effort is specific to the person, so you calibrate it to the person. There's a much easier calibration. That's one thing that sets it apart. From the point where you're medically stable, you know, you can really start to, to use the Grippable whether you're in your hospital bed or whether you've been just discharged home with your community stroke team, you can really start to use the grippable as much as you possibly can. This podcast is sponsored by Grippable, the measurable mobile and motivating device for weakened hand and arms. Bringing some serious fun to your rehab with Grippable. Visit www.grippable.co to buy or try now or email Grippable's friendly team at hello at Grippable.co. Hello, welcome back to the SR Times podcast. Today I'm joined by Lauren and Bilal from our sponsors Grippable. Bilal, if you first want to just introduce yourself, let us know who you are and what your role at Grippable is. Yeah, so my name is Bilal Sheikh. Um, I'm an advanced practice physiotherapist. Uh, specialism is um, neuro rehab. Um, and that's been my background for a number of years now. Um, I've been working for Grippable now for, I think, four months, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and uh, my role is, um, well, the title there is one of the senior therapists. Um, work on a number of projects. Some of it has been the research side of things. Um, some of it has been um, the promotional side of things. And um there's a new kind of thing about the development of us of the services that you know, Grippable can offer in the future. It's probably where I'll be working uh, or the aiming of my work further on from here. Lauren, if you want to do the same thing. Fab. Thanks for having us on today. My name's Lauren. I'm an occupational therapist. I specialize in neurorehabilitation and in particular rehabilitation of the upper limb has been my passion and specialism for a few years now. Um, I joined Grippable after seeing seeing it in action and it wow it just really resonated with me just how powerful this uh, could be if we could just get it into as many hands as we possibly could. So I'm currently on board with Grippable now for about a year um, again, as a as a clinical practitioner, uh, working, dipping into many different areas of research and product development, sales, marketing, promotion, education, just getting the word out there to as many yeah. therapists and as many people as possible. It's been a real fantastic ride. So, Lauren, I'll start with you. So what inspired you to become an occupational therapist? I think working with people, you really start to get a feel for what's important in life and just what a huge impact it can have on people not being able to do even the simplest of things, um, whether it be make themselves a cup of tea or hug their kids or hug their grandkids. And I saw occupational therapy as a, as a way to support people to be be the best that they can be. 
and I'm really privileged to be to be on a lot of people's rehabilitation journey. And to you, Bilal, what inspired you to become a physiotherapist? Well, um, I mean, if you start the story as with spite, um, it probably sounds a little bit strange. Uh, so m- my background before becoming to a physiotherapist, I'd worked in health and fitness from you know really quite a young age, coaching, uh, health mentoring and stuff. Um, I used to run a, um, a scheme with Birmingham City Council called Funding Training, um, which was aimed at obesity with children. It was quite successful and the NHS took it over. And I wasn't yet a physiotherapist yet. And then it was taken over with them. And I was kind of cut out the thing I was already working on. So a certain amount was like, well, I'm going to be a physio now <laughs> to kind of get my thing back. But um, as well as that, you know, seeing people within my own family that needed support, um, strokes, you know, people with diabetes, obesity, and, you know, how, how that can help. And then um, you know, just at different stages through, you know, the education you know, and uh, studying as a physio, going down the route of what do I actually want to do? And then neuro rehab really becoming the thing that I got really passionate about was, you know, as soon as I was qualified, then that's where, you know, I wanted to go and, uh, go and develop. Uh, I was very lucky to have very good placements. So I didn't have a bad placement in, in university even given I think London at that point in time was probably a little bit of a bubble so I was kind of blessed with having a really excellent placement and then my final one in neuro rehab was really that like, yeah this is where this is where you want to specialize and this is where you want to can have quite a big an impact kind of thing. So Gripples it really is a unique kind of method for upper limb rehabilitation i don't know who wants to jump on this one first but uh if you could just give our listeners an insight into what grittable home is and how you both became involved with it well essentially grippable is a handheld device and it's a controller that registers uh the different movements of the wrist and and the hand uh, a grip being one of them but also sort of wrist moving the wrist up and down side to side and that controller translates to a uh, an app, a game, essentially, uh, quite a basic through to quite advanced sort of platform game. So your grip or your wrist movement is controlling um, the character of the game to collect various different points or win achievements, so on and so forth. Brilliant. Bilal? Yeah, I think just to add what Lauren said, it's using the grip of the inside back grip well, it's using a few of these principles of gaming to make sure people can adhere to the rehab, enjoy the rehab. If they're spending longer on it, it might mean more repetitions, more enjoyment, more positive feedback, which hopefully has better outcomes. Um, it's intuitive to use cheaper than particularly what would be out there earlier on that would have been considered high tech um, and you know portable as well as some of the um you know, benefits of it so you can use it right at the bedside um, um you know multiple you know, travel with it if you're if you're a clinic, traveling clinician carry it around with you if you're going on holiday etc um use it in a lot of different areas so i think those are the ideal benefits i think beforehand you probably think a lot of rehab tech was very large equipment stuck in rooms um you go to the equipment rather than the equipment come to you is probably what would be thought of beforehand Mm. so sorry Lauren 
it's it's such a fabulous tool. I mean, not just for hand rehab where you've maybe had a fracture, but specifically in neuro rehab, because we know after a brain injury or a stroke where somebody has a physical impairment, um, as the therapist, you're you're looking to support the person to retrain movements, um, you know, specific movements and grippable can be a really uh, useful tool to to add to the mix there. We know that for, for somebody to um, retrain movement, we, we're trying to uh, generate that neuroplasticity in the brain. And for neuroplasticity changes in the brain, we need certain elements. And one of those is a high dose of repetitions of the movement that we're looking for. And if we if we look at the research, some of the animal studies are saying that we need four to six hundred repetitions of one movement per session. Wow. Um, you know, that's a huge number of repetitions of movement. Um, so as a therapist, you're always looking at, at ways to encourage people to, to, to be moving or to give them activities which are going to encourage these repetitions. Um, when we look at the research in in humans, how that research relates uh, translates to humans is that if we can get around about 100 repetitions per session over a number of sessions, we can really start to generate those neuroplastic changes and improve strength and movement. Um, <clears throat> and to put that into context, uh, you know, conventional therapy really struggles to get even, well, 30 to 40 repetitions per therapy session. Whereas if you put the grippable controller into somebody's hand, set them up on a very basic game, you can achieve up to 100 reps in just one three minute level of a game um, on the grippable device. Amazing, you know. And, and what's really key here is that the grippable device can go home with somebody so they can be working on their rehab in between your therapy sessions. You know, for somebody who's who's motivated or for somebody with really severe impairment um, you know, who's finding it hard to engage in conventional activities, the grippable can be really accessible to them. I mean, what appeals to me straight away with grippable is the gaming aspect of it. As, as a massive gamer myself, to yeah. see it as a rehabilitation method, I mean, that, that I'd be straight on it. Um, so I guess... There's some good evidence that backs that up as well. Um, so we obviously have principles of neuro rehab. Um, and then also the just principles of gaming and rehabilitation from gaming and what they offer to um, or what is needed for a game to be interesting and somebody to carry on playing it. Um, so these, uh, there is a study in 2021. Um, I think Dumas is the, is the author. And the, the kind of aspects that kind of cross over are things like mass practice. So the more you do, the better you're getting um the structure of the practice or are there levels do things change in a structured way um the variability so not always doing the same thing so there's a number of games you can play the you know how hard a level is will change uh multi-sensory stimulation so with grippable you know got some haptic feedback as well as what you can see and how you engage tactile uh, you know with your physical ability the explicit and implicit feedback so you know you know you're doing well you can get feedback after the you know the summary afterwards saying this is how well you scored for example this is this is how strong you are if you're doing an assessment um and obviously you know using the injured limb 
is you know using the thing that you're weaker at is um you know that usually is something that gives you some encu- encouragement so you know not always having a game that's too easy for you can also you know switch people off away from that so you know so, there's a good crossover there yeah so as a gamer and someone that's really interested in stroke rehabilitation i'd love to know where the idea first came about for gripable um so paul uh, uh Paul is um, the CEO of uh, Gripple, Paul Rin. Um, I met him, I think it was about three or four years ago now. Um, and I was just at that point in time, I was looking for, oh, what can we use in the clinic I was working at, so in the newer rehab centers I was working at. Um, usually it's based on how much money you might be able to spend. Um, you do the budget cuts. So I was looking for just something that's effective, cheap, Upper limb focused, and they had a website at that time. And so then, you know, made contact with Paul, and um, you know, he you know welcomed me to the place they were working at then to just tell me a little bit more about it. So he was a neuroscientist, um, doing some research into the relationship, I guess, between uh, repetition and and outcomes of rehab um, with the patients that were working. They were working with, um, you know, taking them to do exercises from the ward to the basement wherever the rehab equipment was or the assessment equipment was. And then that I guess the idea was sparked from there saying that, you know, why can't we bring something to the bedside was the ultimate kind of idea of it. And obviously then trickling down. So what does it need to look like? How small is it? What does it need to be able to measure? And, you know, how you know what's the best way to interact with it so and, and i think probably from there gaming and rehab came on i think there's a lot more that paul and mike and other people at Gripable will be able to say about it you know but you know i've always had a chance to be using this as a clinician before I ever became grippable and you get to use it as a clinician now so you know i spend two days a week with grippable so they're, and they're just how responsive they are to what needs to change, what needs to develop, what do clinicians need, which is, I guess, a little bit more where, you know, you know, people like Lauren and I, where our jobs kind of are in there, we're able to critique it and criticise it as well and say, you know, we want to see these things and this is how we're using it and this is the education that cl- clinicians might need before they, um, you know, or to use it to the best of its advantage. So how have you both found it using Gripable with patients? What's kind of the overall feedback patients give when, they, when, when they're using it? Because, I mean, it's, it's vastly different from a tr- traditional rehab method. Lauren, I'll come to you first. Absolutely. Um, one of the biggest bits of feedback is just how accessible it is to so many different people with so many different levels of impairment. Um, because the grippable will calibrate to the individual, even the minutest amount of movement, even somebody with really severe physical impairment can start to engage and start to, um, you know, work through the levels and, and feel that sense of achievement and autonomy, which is fantastic. But people, um, uh, actually, another a really lovely bit of feedback that I've had is from, you know, a young stroke survivor who is able to uh, now use Grippable to play with his teenage son who's getting into games. (laughs) 
you know, fantastic. So where they they may have lost a bit of connection um, because of because of the disability, um, because of the circumstances, um, they've been able to come together and find an activity that they both really enjoy, which is fantastic. Definitely, Bilal, how have the patients you've worked with found it? Well, um, I've been very lucky to be able to use it on a very wide spectrum of very severely impaired and then people who are, you know, guess getting towards like the return to sport and things. So if I go with the severely impaired, so using it a couple of years ago now, there's a lady uh, who I'm going to write a case study up and maybe I'll share it with you guys as well, um, uh, had a brainstem stroke. So as a spectrum of brainstem stroke, you, you know, can be locked in, so very, very little movement um, as a result. Um, as she had some recovery and then came to our uh, neuro rehab center. One of the aims was independence and mobility. Um, so using an electric wheelchair to be able to do that. So turning the flickers of movement that she had into something functional, she had to go through a period of how do we get an ability to train when you've got so little movement so using the grippable to just start with her grip and release and then eventually combining it with electrical stimulation to then do the uh, flexion and extension or uh, of the wrist uh, and so on. So it, the ability to start from something very, very small to give somebody independence at the most severely impaired level. I think there's education for um, clinicians to know when to take it and, and know how to use it to its best of its ability. That's something that um, the, a challenge that I've seen more clients absolutely seeing it and once you've chosen to use it appropriately with them, loving it because they can engage and because they feel they're doing something and or having fun. The higher end of that has been you know somebody who had a lot of orthopedic injuries along with their brain injury. They would get to a level of independence, but then they had a, you know, a, a much weaker right arm uh, because of the bony injuries that they've had. But then, you know, having that data of just being able to engage with it in a four-week program to get so much better, um, to then have the confidence of saying, actually, I am, go I will be able to stop myself from falling if I go back to football and uh, and go, uh, you know, just that change of somebody who you probably would have, and they were already sent home from the rehabilitation environment. Um, you know, knowing that, you know, even people at a higher level can get some benefit as long as, you know, the clinicians and the advice that are given to them uh, and can see it as a tool um, and not just limited to this is the game pad, for example. It's like this is a tool that clinicians have some good education of how to use, can maximise the environments and then can maximise the situations where it can be used. There is sometimes some thinking out of the box of, Sometimes there's times when we say, actually, because the gamification is so good, can I use it not for upper limb tasks? And, you know, I do, you know, that's that's benefited in that. You know, you just have to think, okay, there's got some brilliant sensors in here. I'm a clinician and this is what I've got. I don't really have any other kind of gamification tools I can use as easy or as readily available. And so, yeah, that's a, I think that's, that's the challenge side of it would be getting more clinicians to think that way. So we've, we've kind of mentioned it, that it's, it is so unique and different from, you know, your traditional methods. I'll come to both of you on this, but I'll start with you, Lauren. What to you makes scruples stand out from other rehabilitation methods and maybe competitors that are on 
in the same sector? Sure. We did. I mean, as as technology and rehab meet, um, there's been quite a lot of sort of off the shelf Wii games that you can apply to your uh, rehabilitation process. But I think what makes Grippable so much different is that they've really forged ahead with with this idea of serious games, which is games with rehab in mind. So each game is particularly formatted to promote certain movements or certain ranges, not just physically, but also with a little bit of cognitive demand as well, sort of switching between different um, mediums coming in and whether you've got the sound on or off. Yeah, it, it, it's a it, it's completely in a different ballpark to your basic Wii or your, um, you know, your other basic games there. But what sets it apart from from other technologies is that it is much more accessible, uh, not just in terms of financially, but in terms of um, sort of how you use it, how it can be used and where you can use it as well. I think Bilal said earlier, you know, the kit comes to you. You don't have to go to the kit. It's not a it's not an all singing, all dancing virtual reality setup. This is literally a device that goes in your hand that will help you to retrain the movements of your hand in your home. Brilliant. Balal, what, what makes it stand out to you? I think, yeah, starting back with, say, the off-the-shelf equipment and, you know, a lot of the studies early on and when you think of getting gaming to rehab, you had, like, the Xbox 360 and its Connect at the time and the Wii, and the two barriers were there, like, if you're going to help somebody who's very severely impaired work with the Xbox 360 and Connect then as soon as the able-bodied person comes in, you might take over the game. And then the, the external pacing of a game, you have to be able to move at the speed that the game is kind of telling you. So the uniqueness is the games can be, uh, the amount of effort is specific to the person. So you calibrate it to the person. It's a much easier calibration. That's one thing that sets it apart. You know, and that's pretty fast. The goal-setting element of it and how easy it is and then how easy it is for the clinician to change that or the the client to see how well they're doing um there are you know there's always going to be more and more um coming online and competitors etc uh and i think you know hopefully that the aim of all of them is to give um you know patients variety opportunity um for clinicians to be able to say yeah, I'm going to pick this because it's going to be useful and I can see as many ways to use it. And the first thing is with Grippable is there's a lot of different ways to use it as well. Yeah, and they've got the gamification kind of side sorted. I would also add on to that, that as a, as a therapist, Grippable records your, uh, your patient's progress. So you can really see that change happening in strength and range and movement as well over the period of time. And that's, you know, that's motivating for the person themselves. But as a therapist, you're able to demonstrate clear clinical outcomes. So the great thing about Grippable as well, that there's the two versions, there's the Grippable Pro, which is used by your profession therapists. How <clears throat> So we mentioned how some some patients might like to go go to the therapy rather than having it from home but i guess the great thing about grippable home is the sense of independence that the the survivor can have that they can do this therapy from home how have you found the how is the feedback about using it from home and 
maybe gaining that sense of independence again? I think within the current NHS uh, climate, there's cutbacks. You know, uh, resources are being cut to rehabilitation centres and there's a big drive for uh, therapists to be supporting people to be self-managing at home and the beauty of Grippable is that this is this is a fantastic tool to help people self-manage their therapy at home and um, they can be doing that part practice you know for example if somebody wants to be at home making their own cup of tea again you might come in and do a therapy session with them once a week for 45 minutes um, actually filling up the kettle and, and going through the process. But in between that session, those other six days, that person can be at home using their grippable, working on strengthening up their wrist movements and their grip strength, which is all part and parcel of, of being able to make yourself a cup of tea. So from that point of view, it's absolutely fantastic. And Bilal, for you, how have you found your patients that are getting to use grippable at home? I think... Um... There's a variety of patients, and I think picking the patients that are going to um, you know, be happy to use it as well, or have the support if they're severely impaired. So when maybe it's younger people having their parents who are going to support them as well. So picking the right people that will benefit from it, and you know, I've got them the use. But in general, the feedback's always really good because you've got the opportunity to really feel like I'm doing a therapy session that the physios told me to do, the OTs told me to do, I know it's useful for me. Um, I'm Like Lauren said, you know, the gap between going out to see somebody, if it's in private, you can't, most people can't afford to see somebody every single day if they needed to. With the grippable, you've got the ability to do remote sessions as well, and then look in and see how well somebody's been doing. So a clinician can go in and say, yep, they've done 10 minutes worth and done 300 repetitions of um balloon buddies game for example in 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 this session um so it already lends itself to do you know online sessions it's got all lends itself to do remote monitoring to make sure people up to scratch or jumping in early to give them that little bit of help um or encouragement to stay on to stay on task and in that sense for like the clinician it's it's the time-saving element so either you can prioritize who you're seeing, um, use the time more effectively, deliver a session that's going to be effective with high quality equipment from remotes. And so then when you see that face to face, the focus can be very different. It can be you know, the task specific. They're trying to do those things that have a safety um, consideration around them. So like Lauren's saying, things like making a cup of tea, et cetera, or where it might be going outside, integrating to sport. At least they've got some safe training at home that can do to a high degree lots of repetitions and it's going to be effective so i think giving somebody an option that's not just a sheet of paper saying do these exercises and no real way of checking how well they're doing them i think that's the thing that's really useful and you know you can demonstrate effectiveness and you can prove it's worse a lot of the times where you might see there's challenges nhs to get the kind of counter argument of saying oh where you need to cut some of the waste out and you know you need to get time more effectively at least this is it's something with where you are tracking where you're showing effectiveness and you can demonstrate effectiveness because what grippable allows you to do is track all this and have objective measures um i think that's where it was another useful tool 
Brilliant. I mean, you've definitely hit the nail on the head with one of the questions I was going to ask is, uh, yes, they can have this method of being able to do the rehab from home, but I guess a worry would be what kind of interaction are they having with with therapists? I mean, you've, you've hit that nail on the head. Lauren, I don't know if you want to add on that point of the feedback from you know, the games and using a grippable at home that patients can have. So an, an individual can buy the uh, grippable home, which is essentially... Uh, the device and that that uh, syncs to their own profile. But the Grippable Pro would be purchased by a clinician or a, a clinic. And that um, allows them to sync a number of devices. So you can send people off home with devices and you've got the master database on your pad. So you can see exactly, you know, how people are engaging, what people are doing. And, and sometimes it might be a wee phone call just to say, you know, I can see you've not picked up your device for the last few days. How are you? You know, have you been poorly? Is there anything? Have you hurt yourself? Have you strained something? Is there anything we can do to get you back on track? you know it doesn't doesn't need a, a physical visit but you can you can keep oversight of how somebody is getting on remotely which is you know hugely time saving but also really really effective to help people who, who would you say it's majority aimed at and when can a stroke survivors start using grippable i'll come to you first lauren so there's a number of conditions that you could use grippable with in your therapy, uh, neurological conditions such as stroke or brain injury, but also, you know, progressive conditions such as multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's disease, where you're looking to um, keep strength and range in your hand to, to have, you know, that uh, progression. And there's been a lot of research about when is the best time to start training your hand after neurological injury. And we know that really in the first 48 hours or that acute or hyperacute phase, we really don't want to be touching, uh, you know, we don't want to be starting any rehab at all. We just need to allow the body to, to recover. Um, but from the point when you're medically stable, you know, you can really start to, to use the grippable whether you're in your hospital bed or whether you've been dis discharged home with your community stroke team, you can really start to use the grippable as much as you possibly can. Um, and I think it's also important to say that it doesn't matter how long it's been since your injury. You know, the research shows that if you can get this high dose of repetitions in of quality movements, you can really start to to get those neuroplastic changes in the brain and start to have an effect on your everyday function as well. Brilliant. Well, Al, is there anything you want to, to add to that? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, and quite soon after an injury, so let's say in the first, you know, after the first 40 hours, first three weeks, the brain and your body's ready to recover or a lot of function there. If, if you're, a lot of it's going to be spontaneous, getting better already. But then if you then gear your rehab in that first three weeks, there is a lot of improvement that can happen. And then again, the first three months and then the first two years. But like Lauren said, as long as the stimulus that's provided is appropriate, it's interesting, it's to the significant dose. So a lot of repetitions, meaningful repetitions uh, and meaningful activities that you can relate and some that you can generalize as well, then yeah, it can be 10 years post-stroke and then having some effect. Um, 
you know, with with a stroke, there's different conditions that you can have or different impairments, you can say. So some can be changes in muscle tone. Um, so things like spasticity or um, with some strokes or some conditions like in Parkinson's or some other uh, brain injuries might be some rigidity um, that could be involved as well. But usually, you know, what we're working toward is, is um, you know, oh, yeah, spinal cord injury as well. There are some conditions there you can use it. So encouraging the tenodesis grip, uh, which is basically when you move your hand back, your thumb naturally coming up to touch your fingers, encouraging that for people who aren't going to recover that um, function and need a new way of moving and strengthening a new pattern uh, of moving. There are also those people with musculoskeletal injuries, so fractures of the hand, fractures of the wrist, who need some exercise and need to carry on. Um, measuring what they do is obviously going to be a benefit. You know, beforehand it might be waiting, putty, soreness and returning to sport, or you think of a typical exercise or using weight training or something. Um, but where then you've got something that's geared to the level that you're going to work at and you can, you know, you can generalize those kind of things. So as long as the clinician knows what functions work and what functions it has and what you could possibly use, it's not necessarily limited to say, oh, you can't use it with this person. You can only use it with these conditions. Is We know that it's got the gamification function. We know that the current games are targeted towards upper limb function. Um, and we know that we can use repetitions. If you've got your impairment is weakness, particularly in the neurological sense where repetition is going to help. Um, if there's some, you know, sensory impairment that goes with it, there's haptic feedback, there's some movement and uh, sensory integration. There's a study saying if you just work on the movement side of things, you get some good recovery uh, in the somatosensory part of it as well. So even with the people with the loss of sensation that comes with the brain injury as well can use it. Um, so I guess sometimes it's going to be like what we find out, what we're, how how it's going to be found out to be beneficial with uh, different conditions and, you know, and different people using it in different ways, whether that's going to be through studies or just uh, anecdotally in different clinical scenarios where more clinicians have it think, I'm going to use it in this scenario. Um, yeah, there's probably a point of there for you know, more use with children and developmental uh, conditions, learning how to use um, you know, different objects again, you know, where there might be some developmental delay. Um, mm. I don't know, there's Lauren, there's probably some more ideas that are popping into your head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've talked, you've talked, there's such a broad spectrum, really, of application um, that it can be used for. And I think the real, the real magic about Grippable is that you can calibrate it to the individual. So whether it's somebody with really severe physical impairment after a brain injury or a stroke, or whether it's your real, um, you know, high-end sports person or musician who's looking to retrain a particular fine, fine motor function, you can calibrate the device to the person and the games will then adapt to that person's current function. Yeah, and it's the combination of using it with those other therapies. And sometimes when we've had these conversations where we say, yes, using it with a higher level in people with higher level impairments, um, there's, and you might say, well, there's a limit to how much resistance it can provide if you're looking at grip strength. Then that's where you can say, okay, it's got the assessment function. We can take your baseline strength measures, gear you towards doing um, other therapies. 
Um, so it might be a weight training. It might be, okay, we're going to use the effects of gamification, combine a weight, combine some putty, change the shape of the um, the grip handle, use some TheraBand as well, change the movement that you're doing, change the resistance with, you know, items that are cheaper you might already have around the home or in your clinic um, to, you know, then you're, but then you're still having the the tracking of the activity to, to some level with it. Um, so, it's again where you're going to find tracking useful, and then for a clinician, generating report um, very easily, uh, you know, showing effectiveness, showing objective measures, um, as well as you know, you've got a, a standardized assessment tool there. If you're just going to say, okay, we've got the metrical strength that we need to see that you're going to get back, we've got a, you know, a handheld dynamometer there that can test a number of grip uh, and your strength and you know um parameters so some of it is sustained grip some of it is you know single short maximum grip strength alternating grip different positions of the hand um yeah and then and then target it with other therapies it's not to say that oh you can only use this you know it wants to be used alongside the full battery of treatments that somebody has it's not to replace everything but it can replace a lot of things or enhance therapy through you know a lot of methods you're already doing already brilliant and i know we're starting to come towards the the end of this pod but we have touched on it throughout but lauren how can someone that's wanting to get hold of brittable and and get it in their house how, how can they do that so grippable offers a free trial so you can get your hands on this for a free trial to see if it works for you. And not only are we sending out the device itself, you will have support, live support to help you set up from right from the beginning, from opening the box and getting that device calibrated right through to, you know, seeing you using you starting to use that unit in your rehab. So there is support along the way. And if you find that it's not for you, it's not the right tool for you, then, you know, you've got your free trial and you've you've had a go. I think yeah, it's brilliant. I think that, yeah. Because that's open for clinicians as well yeah. to get a trial in a clinic as well as for home home users as well. Yeah, I think it's brilliant that the, the trial, the option for the trials there that you can, you can really try it out before deciding, you know, this is, the therapy option I want. I think there's not many, there's not many therapy options that will give you that. So the fact that it's, you know, this technology that you can try out first before buying is a, a great idea. So I think the best question to kind of end on is, as we're, we're near the end of the, the year at time of recording is, what does 2023 have in store for Grippable? We are hoping to get Grippable into as many hands as possible. <laughs> So people can see yeah. just just how <laughs> how much of an improvement this can make to your rehab journey. And do you have anything to, to add on to that, Bilal? I think yeah. In 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 addition to that, some of it's starting to already happen. So like going onto the Play Store, Google Play Store. So you know, I think that then a drop in cost to um, people who don't need to then have the tablet um, as well. So that's making it more uh, accessible, I guess. And it'll probably be. Um, software improvements, updated games, additional games, and there's probably some more things that are like watch this space that we don't necessarily know whether it's industry secrets yet or something being new to it. Um, you know, I get you know 
there's obviously not just the UK that uh, Grubble works in. There's, um, I think there's French language app now. Don't know if it's in France, but it's um, you know a big push to be a service in America, uh, and you know be, um, being with some several suppliers. And I think obviously there's the research side that carries on happening to demonstrate effectiveness, demonstrate the use of, of it in, um, in 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 different conditions. So yeah. Lauren, Bilal, thank you very much for your time uh, joining us on this episode of the SR Times podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's very nice to meet. Thank you. Okay. Uh, sure.